Good evening, glad you're here, glad you made the effort to be here tonight. Let's start off with a word of prayer this evening. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for uh, the opportunity to gather as your people, as the church, we're thankful for uh, the opportunity to come and to study your word, to hear from your word. Uh, I know that is a supernatural thing, and I pray tonight as we uh, seek you and seek your knowledge, seek your wisdom through your word, that you would speak, uh, that you would lead us, that you would direct us, that you would build us, that you'd prepare us in the study of your word. Lord, I pray for all of our classes that are our meeting tonight, our, our kids, our little kids, our, our youth, uh, the other adult classes as well, I pray, Lord, that you're uh, speaking to them through your word, that a foundation is being laid, being stacked upon uh, a foundation that will hold. And so we just give this hour to you. We do tell you, Lord, we're thankful for you. We, uh, we praise you, we worship you, and again, we just lift high your name. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, tonight we're going to get started. So far in our Bible study, uh, maybe you've noticed a repetitive theme. And the repetitive theme, we've seen it, we're going to keep seeing it, is the call for us to trust God. God calls us to trust Him. One of the ways, and, and the main way that we honor Him, is to trust Him. Well, the thing that we've seen latched to that or hooked to that is that our trust is demonstrated or shown in obedience. The two really aren't separable. If you trust him, if you've put your faith in him, that shows up in your obedience, your willingness to obey. And so God calls us to trust him, but then he also calls us to obey him. Well, the question then becomes, why would we obey God? Why would we obey God? All the things he's told us, why would we obey God? Well, I can give you a list of answers it is best to obey God. God blesses it. God blesses obedience. I can promise you that. It's actually the best way to live. Sometimes I watch folks and they run into the same wall over and over again. They have the same struggle over and over again. And you want to say, hey, God has told us how to live. And if you live in obedience, it is actually the best way to live. All of those stand, and there's many more we could talk about, but really on the basic level, we obey because we trust. And that's where these two things link up. We obey because we trust. Now, let me give you an example here. What if you have a long-time proven friend? And so here you are. I'm talking to you. You're sitting there. You have a friend, a long-time proven friend. They've always been trustworthy. And they've always been loyal. They've always been faithful to you. And they've never been otherwise. So however long your history is with them, that is your history. So you have this friend, this great friend, this proven friend, and what if they were to tell you, do not go to work tomorrow? Just they would call you tonight and say, hey, don't go to work tomorrow. Don't go to work tomorrow. You'd probably say, well, why? Why shouldn't I go to work? Why? They said, listen, don't, don't, it doesn't matter why. Just trust me. Do not go to work tomorrow. Well, is there something going on, something I should know? Do not go to work tomorrow. That's the phone call. Well, if you go or if you do not, will ultimately come down to the question, do you really trust your friend? And I'm saying, whatever your job is, hey, do not go to your job tomorrow. Do not go to work. If you go or if you do not go, it's going to come down to the, the question, do you trust your friend? And how much do you trust your friend? Well, again tonight, God calls us again to trust him. And then again tonight, we're going to see in our lesson 
that trust is shown in obedience. Well, when you start to talk about that, the question in our practice, in our understanding, starts to be, uh, well, how far are you to carry that? Well, in what areas? Are there some areas you can fudge? Are there some areas God doesn't care about? To what extent are we to trust and obey? Is, is there a percent that's good enough? Is that close enough? Does it matter? If you're trusting in nine areas but not in three, does it matter? Isn't that good enough? Are we going to play on averages? Does it matter that you're totally trusting God? Well, tonight in our lesson, we're going to again uh, hear from God, and he's going to speak to us, and he's going to show us uh, the truth about trust and the truth about walking in obedience. I want to start off with an example tonight. So I'm going to ask if Dina will help me. Will you help me out? I need somebody that pretty much trusts me, <laughs> pretty much trusts me. I think she pretty much does, I don't know. I need you to stand right here. Right here? Right there, all right? I'm going to pour some water in this cup, and then I'm going to pour it on your head. And you have to trust me that you won't get wet. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and give you this just in case, okay. all right? <laughs> so you're going to trust me. I'm going to dump it smooth on your head, okay. and you got to look up while I do it. Okay. All right, now if I, if I mess up, there's that. Are you all watching? Cup, this. Here we go. I'm trying to decide how much I want to pour on you. All of it. All of it? Go for it. I'll go a little more. Put the lid back on that. All right, now you trust me. And you're going to look up, and I'm just going to dump this on your head. You sure? All right, look up. Now hold that right there in case it gets on your shirt. You ready? <laughs> in that cup, <laughs> there's the stuff that's inside of diapers. <laughs> we saw that trick on the internet. There's the stuff that's inside of diapers. The question is this. Do you trust me? And was the consequence really big enough that if you didn't trust me, it would matter? If you got water on you, that'd probably be a little bit infuriating, kind of be awkward the rest of the day. But it wouldn't be as terrible as some things that could happen. So the question is, do you trust? And, and is, is your trust greater than the consequence of what could happen? That's a pretty good picture. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue. Our, our study is the week 23 already the grand scheme of things, and the lesson is entitled, Good Plan, question mark, Good Plan. Our verses tonight will be found in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to look at pretty much most of the chapter, Joshua chapter 6. The key points of our lesson, God's people are to walk in careful, listen to that word, careful obedience to his plan, even if we do not understand it. God's people are to walk in careful Obedience to his plan, even if we do not understand it. All right, starting off in our lesson tonight, uh, it says in our, on our, on our worksheet, well, here we are, God's promise. Well, here we are, God's promise. Now, remember the context, and the context really sets up everything right here. The context is this. Over these, these weeks of this study, we have seen God called Abraham God made a promise to Abraham. God promised him a people. God promised him a land. Uh, go down the account. God 
assembles the people. The people end up in Egypt. They cry out. God delivers them. Uh, He raises up leaders for them. Uh, He crushes the Egyptian. They're no longer an issue. Uh, There's manna to eat. There's quail to eat. There's water that comes from stones. He himself directs them. And so God is their direction. God has promised and God has done mighty things. Now think about it where we start tonight. They are a people, his people. He promises there'd be a people. They are now a people. And now tonight when we start, they are in the promised land. They've crossed over the Jordan River. They step in. Uh, It dries up. They go across a marvelous thing, a, a mighty thing. Now they are in the promised land. God has been faithful. God has kept his word. They have seen it. Now they are to remember it. Remember when we ended the last couple of times, uh, they're not just supposed to remember it, but they're supposed to remind each other of it. They put the memorial stones. When your sons come by here and ask you what has happened here, they are to remind them of it. So God has done mighty things. They know that. They have seen that. They are to remember that. They are also to remind each other of that. Let me talk about today. Today, God is faithful. God is trustworthy. He has kept every single promise. Now, I want you to think about that. You can't find, you can't search, you can't look and find one case where God hasn't been faithful where he had to say, well, that's not exactly what I meant. Well, things have changed, and that's not how it's going to be. You can't look, you can't search in Scripture, in history, uh, in in, in your life, in somebody else's life. You can't find a single time that God has not kept his word, that his word has not proven true. Every single word that he has spoken has proven true. You're not going to find an exception to that. Well, guess what? Today, we have to remember that. We have to remember that. Today, you know what? Things are hard. We got to remember. God's always kept his word. Things are uncertain. God's always kept his word. Things look cuckoo and crazy. God's always kept his word. Then, on top of that, here's what we do in the church. We're to remind each other of that. And I'll just tell you, by yourself, it's a hard thing. You get get pulled away. You get isolated it starts to be a hard thing. We need people to say, God's always been faithful. God's never let me down. God's words never failed. And we need to remind each other of that. It is a lot easier to go through life with somebody saying, you're not going to find that God's not faithful. He's always kept his word. So we see God's been faithful to them. He's never broken his word. They are to remember that. They are to remind each other of that. Same for us tonight. We are to remember that. We're to remind each other of that. Okay, so here they are in the promised land. They've made it in. They are a people. God has kept his word. They are in the promised land. Here's something weird. About 20-something miles into the promised land, they run into Jericho. So here we are. God's kept his word. Now we we come up on this city, Jericho. Jericho is a fortified city. Uh, It has walls that you can't get through. Uh, just for this reason, they're not able to be conquered in an attack. They have over 10,000 valiant warriors. We're going to see that in the verses inside the city. Now, a valiant warrior, you go look it up. These aren't people that have guns. These aren't folks that are a militia. Hey, we've got some folks here that have weapons. 
No, these are people that are trained in war, experienced in war, trained in killing. And so we've got 10,000 trained killers inside the city. We've got walls you can't get through. We've got gates you can't get over. But we've also got 10,000 valiant warriors inside the city. So here we are. God has kept his promise. We're inside the promised land. And then now's this. Here's this city. That's where we're going to start off tonight. All right. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. They knew about them. They're there. They've crossed over. They've shut the gates. No one went out and no one came in. Verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. God's promise is they're already yours. They are already defeated. I've given them into your hand. Now, I wonder what Joshua thinks. He stands there. They're still inside. The valiant warriors, they're still inside. The gates are still intimidating. They're still shut. And God already makes the promise. I've given this city, its king, their warriors, into your hand. Makes the promise up front. All right? That's God's promise. The next thing we see is a section called, That Makes Perfect Sense, God's Plan. That Makes Perfect Sense, God's Plan. All right, we're in chapter 6, starting in verses 3, we'll read to verse 5. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days, and seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now, I want, sometimes we've heard that so many times, we get numb to that. I want you to listen to that again. I'm going to read those verses again. Listen to what God tells them to do. There's the wall inside of the valiant warriors. Here's the gate shut. God says, here's what we're going to do. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. You're going to go around the city six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall, shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now, I want you to think about that plan for just a second. That plan really is a silly plan. And I, I, we hear that, and we know how it's going to end, and we've heard that at Sunday school, and so, so we say, well, that's, that's how it is. That is an unlikely plan, an unlikely plan. That is an illogical plan. That plan absolutely makes no sense. I was talking about this with Marco. Instead of saying, 
We're going to accumulate a bunch of spears and a bunch of, of knives, and we're going to go get our own warriors, and we're going to train some of these guys to fight, and we're going to bring some slingshots and some rock launchers, and we're going to come down, and we're going to get the trumpets and the priests and the ark and come down, and we're going to make a, a, an attack on one of the weaker gates. God basically says this. We're going to attack them with a marching band. That's basically what he says. Somebody get the marching band, get them all in uniform, and we're going to go down and attack this city. It makes no sense. Now, I want you to, to be sure and understand this. I think when we hear that, that sounds so silly that we kind of start thinking of it in cartoon terms. And I think, well, this sounds like a pretty good cartoon. You ever notice cartoons always have a good cartoon ending? I, the, the, twi the bird, the coyote, and they throw the deal off the cliff, and it always goes down and poof, hits them and does all that. Cartoons always have a cartoon ending. Uh, this is not a cartoon. This actually, on a day in time, actually did happen. This is a real event. It's not a cartoon. Now, to tell you how crazy this would be, all right, this year, two months ago, if someone were to say to the, to the Ukrainian president, all right, you've been attacked by Russia. They've got tanks, and they've got this stuff, and they've got missiles, and they've got jets. But here's what we want you to do. We want you to go to the capital city, and we want you to go to the capital building, and we want you to take some horns and seven priests, and we want you to march around it every day for six days. Then on the seventh day, we want you to march around it seven times, and then blow the, blow the trumpets, and we want you to turn and shout at that city, at that building. He's going to think you're crazy. The press is going to think you're crazy. If somebody's crazy enough to try that, they're, we're going to think they're probably going to get shot off the porch of the place. That is, that is as, exactly as crazy as this. Go there and do that and see how it turns out. That is a, an illogical plan. There's, there's no way for a good outcome to come out of that. Now think about this, here's the plan, seems strange, doesn't make any sense, don't forget the plan was also dangerous. Do you know all they got to do is crack a gate and roll out five or 6,000 of those guys, roll out 10,000 of those guys, and they would kill your marching band set up, and they would, they would run y'all off, stomp y'all out. It's not just a crazy plan, it is a costly plan. That plan wasn't too costly. Now, what if there had been something hot in there? What if it had been more costly? Maybe your trust level starts to adjust. Well, guess what? This is potentially deadly for them. This is a costly plan that God gives them. It's a dangerous plan. Here's the question before we move on. So why would you follow it? So why would you follow it? And you go back to, well, because you trust God. That's why you'd follow it. You trust God. Well, here's my question, but where does your logic start to override your trust? Where do you start to say, so don't take swords, so just march silently for six days, so keep doing this? Where does your logic start to say, this doesn't make any sense, I, I think we're probably going to get killed? Um, when does your logic start to override? God gives them the plan. Here's the plan. Do these things. All right, the next part, step by step, Israel's obedience. 
Chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, and I'm going to read down to the 16th verse. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came up after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I shall I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then he came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus, the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Notice this. All right, here we go. He gives them the plan. Here's what they do. Notice in verse 6, having the plan, it says this. So, in verse 7, it says, go. Verse 8, it says, and it was so. They do exactly what God instructed. Gives them a crazy set of plans. So, they did it. Then they did it. Go. They went to it. Exactly as God had instructed. Now I want you to notice a couple of things about their carrying this out. First thing, notice this. It is a prolonged act of obedience. It is a prolonged act of obedience. Which means this, it was more than just emotional. It was more than just emotions. You ever been somewhere, and maybe you're in a, a, a ball game or a football game, or maybe you're in some other event, and people can get all crazy and excited, and you can run in and do something for a moment, or, or maybe there's a boxing match or a fight, and people get all excited, and they go do something. This is not a flash. This is not a quick thing. This wasn't just, hey, we heard a great speech, and now we're going to go do something. This is more than emotion, more than just an emotional response. It was a prolonged act of obedience. Second thing we see here, it is an unusual act of obedience. It is an unusual act of obedience. Now, when I read that, I, I start to picture these people. Go and march around it. When you read that account, they go around the first day, and it says they go back to camp. And I wonder when they get back, they take their stuff off, somebody starts cooking some beans over there, and they say, that was weird, I don't know, did you see them all looking over that hill? I think I saw somebody looking at us. 
And they, I don't know, I don't know. Second day, read the deal. Second day, they get up. Joshua gets them up. They go, they do it. And it says, and they go back to camp. And they go back in. I wonder after two days, somebody's like, I wonder what day we fight. I wonder what, when this changes. And then somebody says, why did you see those guys looking? They're still looking over that hill. I wonder at what day people start going, this is crazy. And I wonder, is it the fourth day when they start to go, we just are a bunch of clowns. This is ridiculous. We're actually just taunting them, blowing horns, walking around their city. Are we just trying to make them mad? And I wonder when they start to go, this is absurd. And I, and I, and I start to think about this unusual act of obedience. The sixth day, put all that stuff back on, get the ark back up, the guys in the front, the rear guard in the rear. I wonder on the sixth day if they're just going, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. I don't know why we're doing this. We, I can think of a better plan than this. Joshua's lost his mind. And I think about that and think about things we are going through, things that God calls us to do. And I wonder how many of us get to the sixth day and go, I'm going to do something else. And we miss it. Sixth day, this is crazy. He can't expect me to stay with this. This is not logical. Our God is logical. I wonder how many of us obey to the sixth lap and for some reason go, you know what, I'm not going tomorrow. I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. And then the seventh day, here we go, seven days. And we make a lap, and we make a lap, and we make a lap, three, and we make a lap, and, and they've got to start going, this is, we're, if there is a fight, we're not going to be able to fight. We've been making laps around the, the, the city all day. This is an unusual act of obedience. You know what? If he says six, it's six. If he says on the seventh, it's seven times. You know what it is? It's seven times. It is an unusual act of obedience. The, the third thing we see, it is a dangerous Active obedience. The second time we see that. They could get killed on the fourth day. They could get killed on the third time of the seventh day. It is a, it is a costly act of obedience. You ever start to weigh what God's obedience is going to cost you? You know what? I may lose some friends. You know what? My spouse might think I've lost my mind. You know what? Uh, this may cost some of the things I like to do. It is dangerous. It is costly. And you know what they do? They stay step by step in obedience. That brings us to the last point. It is exact obedience. It is exact obedience. Now think about that for a second. What if they didn't blow the horns? What if they didn't take the ark? What if they didn't go on day four? What if they didn't put the rear guard on day five? Notice it is exactly as God has said. Who sets the terms? God does. Who decides how it's going to be? God did. Who gets to negotiate? Nobody does. God has decided. Think about this when we go through that. Exact obedience. Think about your life. God gives us direction. And he gives it to us in his word. And, and, and in his word, he tells us how to be saved, tells us who Christ is. 
He also tells us how to live as believers. He tells us how to treat other people. He tells us how to do business. He tells us how, how to speak, what kind of speech to use. He tells us to be honest, to have integrity, on and on. Tells us how to be married, tells us how to raise kids, tells us how to handle our finances. God gives us direction. God gives us his word, and he says, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you do it. Now, think about this. And in the exact same way, you know what it does? It, re it requires unusual obedience. What if the world says there's a different way? What if the world says there's a different understanding, a different truth? It's an unusual obedience. It is a prolonged obedience. And I think sometimes we have, we have trouble with that. I was obedient for 10 years. I was obedient when the kids were small. I was obedient in most of the things. It is a still a prolonged obedience. What if you're obedient in an area for a long time, but then you're not obedient? Guess what? You're not obedient. It's not going to work. It is a prolonged obedience. And then the same thing in the end. It is an exact obedience. If God says this is the best way to be married, here's the parameters, it's exactly that. We don't get to come along and say, nope, nope, and yeah. If he says, you know what, this is how you're going to treat folks, this is how you're going to speak, it's exactly that. We don't get to come along and say, well, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. It is still exact obedience. Here's our deal. We start to chip away at all of that. And I don't, I don't know if that's just human nature. I don't know if that's a lack of fear and reverence of God. But we start to say, yeah, but the world's doing it this way and it seems to be working. Well, you can't expect me to really do that. Well, for that long? What I've been faithful for this long. All of these steps, just like this, and we start to chip away at that. We start to, to notch away at that. It is still, God blesses obedience, but it is still unusual obedience, prolonged obedience, and exact obedience. All right, the next section of your sheet is called Exactly as Planned exactly as planned, the Lord's victory. Go back to verse 16. At the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. All right, jumping down to verse 20 and 21. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up straight into the city, every man straight ahead. And they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. The crazy plan worked. And I don't know, I don't know who's more surprised I don't know if those that see the walls fall down, those that, that are all of a sudden running straight in, I don't know who's more surprised, but the crazy plan worked. Now I want you to start thinking about what God tells us, what he leads us. The crazy plan worked. Here's a good question. How many of God's plans have failed? How many of God's plans have failed? All right, here's a, here's a better question. So when do you expect God's plans to start failing? 
Think about that. How many of his plans have failed? So when do you expect God's plans to start failing? Well, they may start with me. Well, they may start on this hard one. He doesn't know about hard ones. When do you expect God's plans to start failing? What if they're crazy? What if they're illogical? What if they're costly? What if they're unlikely? You know what? God is trustworthy, and God is faithful, and not one word has ever failed to come to pass, and not one promise has, has ever failed. You know what? You can trust God's plan. If they're crazy, if they're logical, if they're costly, you can trust God's plan. The same thing where we started. We need to remind, we need to remember that. But we also need to remind each other of that. You know what? God calls you to something. God leads you to something in his word. God has a plan for you. Listen, honor his plan. Follow his plan. He will bless it. I want you to see this in verse 16. He says, the Lord has given you the victory. It's the Lord's victory. He did it. Now, when you read this account, there is no way that you can confuse this event with a victory for the Israelites. You, there's no way you can read that and say, well, they had a good army. Or you can say, well, they're strong. Well, they had more valiant warriors. There's no way you can say they had great intellect. That, this was the smartest plan ever devised. You, can ne you cannot say, well, how powerful they were. In fact, the opposite is true. When you read this account, you don't say they're strong. You don't say they're smart. You don't say they're powerful. The opposite is true. Here's, here's something I thought of this afternoon. I wrote this down. God's plans bring him glory. God's plans bring him glory. Now, see, we sometimes think, well, the plan stopped there. Listen, he has a plan for you, and he has a plan for us. He has a plan for our church. God's plans bring him glory. God works in a way or in ways that always point to him. So sometimes I, I hear something go, well, that's absolutely crazy. Well, that's not ever going to work, or that's not going to end well. You know what? God's plans don't end with people saying, you're smart, you're strong. God's plans end with people saying, God must be on his throne. God is powerful. God truly worked, and we saw it in this situation. God's plans bring him glory. It's the Lord's victory. They knew that. All right, the last point Saved by faith. Saved by faith. I'm in chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in after and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Verse 25, however, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. All right, that's the tail end of that chapter, tail end of that story, of that account. And the, the tail end is, is just 
really attack on to remind us, to tell us Rahab is saved. Remember the spies go? And, and, and the Bible says, we know your God is the one true God. She knows that. She acts in faith to that. She, she responds in trust, which is the point to the lesson. And so God spares her and all of her family. The promise was made. He'll spare her. He'll save her. She trusted God. Well, the chapter wraps up. You know what? The spies go in. They take her out, all of her relatives, those that were in the house. They are saved. Now, I want you to notice this, however, as well. Still, however, it required an act of exact obedience. Remember, she had to put the, the scarlet cord outside of her window. Everybody that that window marks would be saved. It was exact obedience. What if she didn't put it? What if she didn't obey? The promise was made. She responds in faith, and her faith is shown in exact obedience. She does, and she's saved. The chapter wraps up. God is faithful. He keeps his word. She is saved because of her faith, and her faith is shown in exact obedience. Now, that, that's the end of the chapter, and you could say, well, amen, that's good. But I thought about something else there. But you know what? She's not the only one saved by faith shown in exact obedience. Israel also responds in faith. They had to listen. They had to obey. They had to go around the walls. It was also shown in exact obedience. And so she's not the only one saved by faith, trust in God, and it's shown, exhibited in exact obedience. They are saved. Here's the, here's the deal. God's showing us that. God's telling us that. God's reminding us of that. His word comes true, holds true. His promises do not fail. Here's the biggest thing he's teaching. God is teaching them and us and revealing to them and to us, confirming to them and to us, for his people, for all people, people are saved. Not by works, not by lineage, not by reputation. They are saved by trust, by faith. Same today. If we're saved, it's not of our lineage, not because somebody's impressed with you, not because you've quit certain things or you never did certain things. He was always trained. We're saved by faith. Guess what? We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We trust him, we're saved. When we trust him, it shows up in a desire to walk in obedience. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we're thankful for today. We're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your grace shown to us. We're thankful for a church to assemble and to encourage and to learn and to be shaped like you. Lord, I pray that this lesson um, sticks with us and, and, and we see that it's by faith we're saved, but we also see that our faith um, prompts us, pushes us, to respond in exact obedience. Lord, I pray that we would be obedient and it would bring honor to you. We'd be obedient and it would point to you, not as, not as a sense of legalism or duty, but as an act of response of love and of faith, obedience. Lord, I, I pray for, again, the kids that are learning tonight, so many hardships, so many crazy things 
that they will face, that they will see, that they will hear uh, so many lures and temptations. I pray, Lord, that, that the truth um, outweighs the lies and that the truth rises above the, the crazy things of our world. And I pray being built for them tonight as a foundation. I pray for our youth, exact same thing, so many crazy, terrible things that they'll have to walk through and wade through. I pray that tonight is a, is a supernatural stacking of the truth. And I pray that it bears fruit as they live in obedience, as they receive you and walk in faith. And then, Lord, I pray for us tonight in all the areas we deal with. Maybe some here, Lord, is something else. Maybe somebody else's finances. Maybe somebody else is in their relationships. Maybe it's in, in, in some moral issue. Lord, I pray that we line up with your word, that we, we love you, we walk in faith, and we show it in obedience. Lord, help us in the areas that we're dealing with. And then I pray that we would be a people that would point to you in our actions, in our, in our lives, that would bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we tell you tonight we love you, and we worship you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.